are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Wednesday show for you. We're going to go over some of your against-the-spread trends in college football so far this season. Best covering teams, worst covering teams, best teams to bet the over on, best teams to bet the unders on, all that. A lot of good stuff. We're going to talk about the New York Giants and how they should probably never be allowed on primetime football ever again, especially with Danny Dimes as their quarterback. Holy shit, he's terrible. The Giants and the Jets are absolutely terrible this season, in case you didn't know. The Major League Baseball pitch clock statistics for the season. Remember we were talking about this at the beginning of the season? Well, what were the final results? And we're going to end by talking about a little Major League Baseball playoffs from last night. The wild card series are underway. Two favorites won, two underdogs won. Game two, same teams added again today, same times, same places. So we'll get to all that momentarily. Let's get started talking about some college football trends for you. Streaks, so to speak. This comes from wagertalk.com. And it runs down the best teams in college football against the spread this year, the worst teams against the spread, the best teams that have been hitting on the over, and teams uh, that have been hitting to the under. So let's get right to it. In terms of against the spread wins, there's four teams in the nation that have five straight against the spread wins in college football. Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State, UNLV. UNLV plays Reno this week, Nevada. I don't know what that line is. It's probably pretty high, knowing that Nevada was a 25-and-a-half-point underdog against Fresno State last week. I don't even, I can't remember who Oregon plays, and obviously I know that Oklahoma plays Texas this weekend because that's the big game. It's where college game day is going to be, and it's a big deal, obviously, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area as the game is played at the Cotton Bowl every year. The crowd is split 50-50. you got the burnt orange on one side and the boomer sooner maroon red on the other side. It'd be a good game. Texas right now, I believe, is a five-point favorite, and... You know, Oklahoma's five, won five straight. And what was the score of the last year's game? Texas beat them 49 nothing last year. Completely pants them at the Cotton Bowl. It was embarrassing. And now both teams come into the game ranked. Both teams come into the game undefeated on the season. The first time they've both been undefeated. And they play each other in game six of every season. So it's been 12 years since both of these teams came in at 5-0. and so both are 5-0. and Oklahoma is riding a five-game against the spread win streak. They've covered all five games this year. And they're getting five points. And they have a major revenge on their mind after getting embarrassed last year, 49-0. So is this a good spot to bet Oklahoma? I don't know how good Oklahoma is this year. That's the problem. Because, let's face it, they haven't played the level of competition that Texas has. Texas has played Kansas, a top 25 team, a team that was 4-0. Texas won at Alabama. You know, I mean, unfortunately, Oklahoma, you can only play who's been put in front of you. I, You know, we understand this. But Oklahoma's competition this year has been Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, Cincinnati, and Iowa State. So I don't know. It's probably why I'm going to stay away from this game. But it is a rivalry game, so if there is an upset and the line is less than a touchdown, if Oklahoma were to win this game, 
you can't be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did. Because, like I said, it's a rivalry game. They're 5-0. and They're clearly better this year. They have a good defense. They haven't given up more than 20 points in any game they've played this year. We've never seen that from Oklahoma in God knows how long. So got to keep that in mind. Will it be one of my plays? Probably not. But there's a chance I could change my mind by Friday. I'll tell you this. If I do have a lean in this game or I do take a side in this game, it would be to take the points. And I know that might be, oh, my gosh, Steve, how can you bet against a team that beat them 49 nothing last year and now they're laying less than a touchdown? Yeah, it might be idiotic of me. But there's a part of me that's like, the public is going to see Texas beat them 49 nothing last year, and now Texas is 5-0 and this year with a win at Alabama, and now they're laying less than a touchdown against Oklahoma. How do we not bet the Texas Longhorns? You very, mel- very well may be on the right side of that. I don't know. But I usually go against public perception. So if I were to bet this game, uh, and it is ends up being one of my plays, then it would be on Oklahoma, but I won't know until I do more research in the next couple days and give out my picks on Friday. Now, there are four teams that have covered four straight in college football. Liberty, Miami, Ohio, West Virginia, Rutgers. West Virginia has been pretty much the surprise, one of the top three surprise teams in college football this year. Four and one, one at TCU last week. Just, and Neil Brown was literally if not the coach on the hottest seat coming into this college football season, he was close second. So he's kind of, at least for the first five games of the season, turned things around. Now, there's some bad teams in college football or teams that just can't cover. There's one team that hasn't covered any game this year, and they've played six games, and that's Vanderbilt. There's one team that has lost and not covered five straight games or has not covered five straight games. They haven't lost five in a row, but Illinois hasn't covered five straight And then the teams that have not covered four straight games, Mississippi State, Pittsburgh, Southern Miss, UTEP, University of Texas San Antonio, UTSA, and Georgia. Georgia did have a push uh, during that streak. The overs, there's only one team that has hit every over and has played six games, and that's the Vanderbilt Commodores. So Vanderbilt hasn't covered a game this year, and all six games have gone over. Interesting. LSU has gone over in five straight games this year. In four straight, BYU, Central Michigan, Northwestern, North Texas, Louisiana, and Utah State have all gone over the total total in four straight games. Five straight unders, Arizona and Utah. Four straight unders, Nevada, Oregon, Stanford, Syracuse, TCU, Tulane, and Ohio. Just looking at that, Three teams jump out at me that it's like, really? Four straight unders for Oregon? or four straight. Four teams. Oregon, Syracuse, TCU, and Tulane. You think of those teams and you think offense. And shocked to see that four straight of those have gone under. But now Vegas is very well aware of all these numbers, so their totals and lines will be adjusted accordingly. So keep that in mind as you head into this weekend. Can the NFL do me a favor and do everyone else a favor and put us all out of our misery and never show the New York Giants on primetime the rest of this season? We are in week four. Well, now we're in week five, but we have completed four weeks of the NFL season. Three of the first four weeks, the New York Giants played on primetime. Now, I understand that they were a playoff team from last year. 
They returned their team. They were expected to be fairly good, at least competitive. But, man. Opening weekend, Sunday night, they played against the Dallas Cowboys. Lost at home 40 to nothing. Last week, they played on Thursday night football. Lost by 20, or whatever it was, to the 49ers. Then, two nights ago, back at home, you lose 24 to 3 to the Seattle Seahawks. The Giants have been outscored in their two home games this year 64 to 3. They are 0 and 3 in primetime games and have been blown out in all three of them. They are 1 and 3 and their next two games at Miami and at Buffalo. Already 11 and a half point dogs against Miami. I don't know if the Vegas line could set that line high enough for, for the uh for the Giants. Good god. I mean, look what Seattle did to them. Now Miami's got them at home coming off a loss where Miami lost by four touchdowns. I know double-digit favorites in the NFL have not been a winning proposition over the last couple years. But I might be leaning towards the Dolphins this week. I think they take out last week's four-touchdown beating at the hands of the Buffalo Bills out on the Giants on Sunday, and they could put a serious ass whooping on them but i'm not sure yet wait till friday to see if i end up going with that play now uh, the other thing about the new york giants that is concerning is their quarterback also sucks on primetime television in his career now daniel jones in primetime games he is 0-6 on monday night football one and four against the spread at home, and one and eleven overall in primetime games. Oh boy, that is not good for Daniel Jones. And all the more reason you should probably leave the Jets or excuse me, the Giants off of primetime television the rest of the year. If they are scheduled for any more, I guarantee they'll be flexed out, unless they somehow turn their season around and they're fighting for a playoff spot towards the end of the year. I did just mention the Jets this, this, just there. I accidentally slipped and said the Jets. However, I do have something to say about the Jets and the Giants. They are the only two teams in the NFL this year that haven't run an offensive play with a lead. Think about that. 32 NFL teams, there's only two of them through four games that haven't run one offensive play this year while they were leading, the Giants and the Jets. That's embarrassing. I understand. Aaron Rodgers out. If he's the quarterback of the Jets, they probably aren't part of that statistic. But he isn't. He got hurt. So, Giants and Jets. Can we get a lead at some point during this season? Is it that hard? Apparently it is. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about Major League Baseball. First off, I want to talk about the pitch clock. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. Remember, we had Jason Stewart back on at the beginning of the season. We had Brian Beckner back on at the beginning of the season. We're talking about how this was going to affect it. Jason was just not convinced this was a good thing for baseball, and 
he thought that uh, hitters and pitchers weren't being able to adjust and all this stuff. And if you didn't see the statistic, the pitch clock worked and it made the game more exciting. It knocked 31 minutes <laughs> off of the average game from last year. So let's take a look at this. The average length of a game in 2023, now that the season is over, shortest it's been in 38 years, since 1985, two hours and 39 minutes per game. That is a decrease of 24 minutes from 2022 when they got a little quicker with their commercial breaks and 30 minutes from 2021. So it knocked a half hour off of the average game from just two years ago. Now you might be thinking, okay, well, it knocked a half hour off. Were the games lower scoring or higher scoring? Higher scoring, more action. 2023 saw an average of 9.2 runs per game in baseball this year versus 8.6 a game last year. Stolen base attempts were up from 1.8 from 1.4 last year to 1.8 this year. Stolen bases this year up from 1.0 to 1.4 and success rate in stolen bases was up was 75.4% in 2022 to an all-time best in Major League Baseball history, 80.2% in 2023 successful stolen bases. So the other thing is players recorded 3,503 stolen bases. That's the most since 1987 and the second most in 100 seasons. That's also over 1,000 more steals than in 2022 where they only had 2,486 steals. So last year in all of Major League Baseball, 2,486 steals this year, 3,585. So it accomplished its goal. And honestly, did any of you ever bitch once this season about the pitch clock? As far as I can remember, while there were pitch clock violations by hitters and pitchers all throughout the season, not one pitch clock violation ended a game, cost a team a game, happened in a very crucial moment. I don't remember one ever happening. So... They adjusted right away. It knocked time off of baseball games. Now they're two hours and 40 minutes, which is roughly what an NBA game is. And there were only like four games that were nine inning games that were three and a half hours long, which is crazy because we had numerous ones of those last year. But knocked 30 minutes off the game and it increased the run. So more action and stolen bases. I read you all those numbers. So great to see, which is exactly why they did it. And you can pretty much guarantee that within the next three years, I'd say at the max five, we're going to have robot umpires like they did in AAA this year. Doesn't mean there's going to be a robot behind the plate. There will still be a human being, all your same umpires that you see every year, except they're not calling the balls and strikes. Once the ball hits the catcher's mitt, there is a signal given to the umpire. I don't know if it's through audio or through a wristwatch where it says striker ball, and then he just signals striker ball, and that's it. So... Keep that in mind uh, because that's coming. They wouldn't insert it into all of AAA baseball if they had no plans on using it in the major leagues, just like the pitch clock when two or three, four or five years ago, pitch clock was being used in the minor league systems. You're like, God, this is so bizarre. Like they have to, they have to pitch within this amount of time. And now it's like second nature to these pitchers. They don't, it doesn't even phase them. I'm sure they'd like more time, but I don't think anybody ultimately had to change their whole philosophy or change the way they went about things because of it. And finally, let's talk about the games yesterday in baseball. As I mentioned in the open, two underdogs won, 
and two favorites won. The two underdog road teams that won were the Texas Rangers, won in Tampa 4 nothing. Arizona Dimebacks won in Milwaukee 6-3. to The two home teams that won were Minnesota over Toronto 3-1, Philadelphia over Miami 4-1. All four teams, all four games are played same exact times today, and it's a two, best two out of three. If any of the teams that won yesterday win today, series over, and they're moving on to the LDS. That's why it is a crapshoot. I mean, yes, I'm happy that the Texas Rangers won yesterday, but it just shows how crazy postseason baseball is. Number one, it's only one game. The Tampa Bay Rays can easily come back and win today, force a game three, and win Thursday, and the Rangers season is over. But when you watch the game yesterday, you're just like, what the hell? Tampa Bay Rays were 99, won 99 games this year. They were the second-best team in the American League. If you were to watch them play yesterday for the first time this season, you'd have been like, is this the Bad News Bears? Four errors. The Rangers did nothing offensively. It was like the Rays were just giving them the game. One run scored on a wild pitch. Two runs scored when a center fielder misplayed a ball. Like It was just I, – I couldn't believe that that was the Rays out there. Granted, I'm happy for the Rangers. I hope they win today, and I hope they move on to the ALDS and take on the Orioles because, as I said, when it comes to baseball, it is such a crapshoot. Frankly, the other three series, while I would glance at some of the games, I didn't spend really any time watching these games because I didn't see a lot of them play during the season. The thing about Minnesota, and I can't believe I didn't bring this up yesterday because I had completely forgotten, but it was brought up a thousand times during the game last night. I don't know if you know this. Unless you live in Minnesota, you probably don't know this statistic. But Twins fans do. Up until yesterday when they won, they had lost 18 consecutive playoff games. Goes all the way back to 2004. <laughs> like They had not won a playoff game in 2004. You'd be like, well, maybe they hadn't been on the playoffs very much. Oh, no. They had been there quite a bit. In 2004, they played the Yankees in the division series, and they won the first game. Then they lost the last three. Then in 2006, they played the Oakland A's in the division series, lost three games to none. In 2009, they played the Yankees in the divisional series, lost three games to none. In 2010, came right back, played the Yankees again, divisional series, lost three games to none. Didn't make the playoffs again until 2017, played the Yankees in the wild card game, lost eight to four. 2019, Played the Yankees again in the divisional series, lost three games to none. And then last year, AL wildcard series, played the Astros, they lost two games to none. 18 straight losses for the Minnesota Twins in Major League Baseball playoffs. Five straight times they were in a series, they got swept. It's pretty amazing. That's why the fans were going crazy yesterday when they won a game. Uh, Wouldn't you? So now it's almost like you feel like, okay, they kind of got the monkey off their back by winning yesterday's game. Now does this propel them to winning this series and then maybe pulling an upset against the Astros? It very well could. Like, that's the crazy shit about baseball. There is just no predicting. Even on a, not even a, not even a series-to-series basis, just a game-to-game basis. Because if you told me the Rangers come out today and lay an egg and lose the next two games of the series to the Tampa Bay Rays, would I be surprised? No. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Rangers won today and move on and advance and beat the Rays two games to none and go play the Baltimore Orioles this weekend. You know why? Because baseball is ridiculous. 
and there's no explaining it. The Rangers are not a very good pitching team. They have an offense. Their offense yet again struggled yesterday. They left 16 men on base and won four to nothing. You do that in the league in the divisional series. If you do it in the LCS, if you do it in the in the World Series, you're in trouble. But they got away with it because Tampa Bay Rays couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They really never even threatened yesterday against the Rangers. But yet here the Rangers are, one game away from advancing, and we can throw out that whole party on Saturday night and the champagne and all that Saturday. Ultimately, yeah, you didn't want to have to play these games, and you would have liked to have won the AL West and had all week off. But ultimately, it might benefit them because, as I said yesterday, baseball is all about timing, and those teams that got to buy are not going to play baseball for one week when during a six-month season, you never get more than one day off at a time outside of a rainout. So to then go six straight months where you're constantly playing baseball and never having to take time off to, in the most important games of the season, getting a week off may affect them, may not. But I don't think there's – it's still too small of a sample size. We hadn't had enough seasons to really dissect this and how much it affects – the teams that had the bye, as I told you yesterday, three teams that had the bye last year lost in the first series that they played. But it doesn't mean all three are going to lose. You know, it doesn't mean three are going to lose this year. It, we'll, we'll have to see. But to, for me, I've I've seen enough over the last two years where it's like, you know what? I'm fine with not getting that bye. Like, of course you want it just because anybody would want rest and for want any injuries to heal up. But by playing in this wildcard series, it's not necessarily a death sentence where you cannot win the World Series because you played in this series. Hell, last year the Phillies played the Astros in the World Series, and the Phillies had to play in a wildcard series last year. So clearly it didn't affect them. So you never know. We'll see how it plays out. All four games again today, those four teams that won yesterday, the Rangers, and the Twins and the Diamondbacks and the Phillies, they can all close their series out today. Best two out of three. Anybody can win two games out of three versus whoever they played. The worst team in baseball, whoever it was this year. The Oakland A's, they won at least one series this year. I know that. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many games they won overall. What they end up winning? 50? I don't even know. But I guarantee they won two out of three probably won two out of three numerous times this year because you play so many fucking games. So that's why two out of three is just nothing. It's just flip a coin on who's going to win these games. And because these four teams all won yesterday has no bearing on if they're going to win today or not. Nothing. Every one of those teams that won yesterday could lose today eight to one. You just don't know. So keep that in mind as you're watching today's games. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review if you can. Tell your friends about it, especially when we come to the picks on Friday because, hey, made some people a little money this year, I think. Anyway, thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.